0: Welcome to church. How many is ready to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. I'm gonna. I know you're out there because I hear you talking. How many is ready to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. Can you stand up, Lord? Let's just give a hand, the Lord a hand. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. He is always good. This is Youth Sunday. We welcome all of our youth and young adults, visitors that are here. Amen. And we want to welcome our. Worshippers with us today, Seth Vi and uh, Nathan Vi is with us. Can you give them a hand? We'll just go ahead and do that now. Thank them for being here. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, you are good. Amen. to
1: hang of praise this morning. Lord, we are good and we worship you this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, God, that we could come into your house this morning. God, we praise you. God, we magnify you this morning. God, we say that you are good in every season of the soul. God, we worship you in spirit and in truth. i Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. The Lord told uh, Joshua, He said, "Look back. I've brought the children of Israel out of the uh, out of bondage, out of Egypt, and they've crossed the Red Sea and into the wilderness and." tells Joshua when you cross the Jordan River, he said go back and set up memorial stones of what God has done. So the generations after that will know that he is the God of Abraham and he's the God of Isaac and he's the God of Jacob. And I want you to think about what God has done in your life And maybe you can look back and say, God, it was this circumstance that I really didn't think that I would make it through. It was that circumstance that I wondered, God, if I wasn't going to go crazy. Father, it was that circumstance that I wondered, Lord, is there any way? And all of us, I believe, can testify this morning. That through all of those things, you're standing here this morning because God has been faithful. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're here and what you're facing looks a little dark right now. And you're wondering, Lord, can you do it again? The devil wants to plant those negative thoughts in our mind. But I want to assure you this morning, if he if he's did it once, he's going to do it again. Can you give the Lord a hand? He's going to do it again. And I want you to stick your hands up in the air this morning, and I want you to close your eyes. And I want you not to look at the worship team and... So much, even listen to the music. But I want you to concentrate on, Lord, you're going to do it again. God, I I don't what I'm facing right now. It looks impossible. I got a situation in my life right now. It's not critical, but you know what? I'm wondering. You know, it's like the devil kept saying, "God is not going to do it again." But I want to testify, standing up here with this mic, if God's done it once for me. I am going to see a miraculously miracle, and God is going to do it again. Amen. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a, a sickness in your body. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but I want to assure you, God is about to walk through that situation this morning. And I do, just before we sing that again, They, uh, if you have any children here that want to go to Children's Church, uh, you go through those doors and down the steps and down the other set of steps, and they've got children's church going this morning. If you want to, if you want to go, praise the Lord. That's just for the kids, okay? <laughs> but as they as they sing that again, I want you to close your eyes. And you know the revival that they're having on that campus, that college campus. You know, this morning, God can touch our church. God can touch our young people. Amen. That God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you guys play that again. And I want us to get our minds on God this morning. Not what the worship team's doing, but but God, I'm coming to you this morning. And you're going to do it again in my life. Let's sing this again. The Lord, a big hand. How many of you believe this morning? He's going to do it again. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Praise the Lord. God is good this morning, isn't He? Amen. That God is good all the time. All the time. All the time God is good. Amen. You may be seated amen. in the presence of the Lord this morning. Let's give our worship hand uh, team a hand. Amen. How many appreciate these young men with us this morning? Amen. This is Seth Vi, on my left and on my right is Nathan Vi, and uh, they're my, another set of my cousins. I know y'all gonna say, how many cousins do you have? But my first cousin, his dad Lee is a pastor at a church, uh, Seth, and Nathan's dad is a, a pastor at another church, and so I just stole them. I told my cousins, I need a couple of you boys, and they sent them my way, so amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give him another hand, Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see all these young people running around. Amen. As I said it before, the Bible said he's the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, God is doing something among this generation. Come on, older people. My Lord, have mercy. Do I need to preach a small Pentecostal message before this pastor gets up and lets you have it? Come on, older people. God is going to do something among our young people, and He is doing something among our young people. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I appreciate our worship this morning. I've just been having the Lord speak in my heart. to last, telling Tina last night that I've really been having the Lord speak in my heart that God is getting ready to bring overflow to our church. I don't know what all that looks like, but I just believe in God is getting ready to do something great among our people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Pete Burlett is here with us this morning uh, from the University of Virginia. He's a Califa pastor, and we support him in our missions. And he's going he's been here, I don't know, five, six, seven times, and he does an incredible uh, job Uh, I believe you guys have, what, five, six, seven hundred people in your CALFA program? A little less now. I know years ago, versus COVA, but uh, I am going to ask Pastor John, our youth pastor, to come up and pray over him this morning. Get up here, brother. Come on. (laughs) And I'm going to ask, how many of you appreciate Pastor John? Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. If you'll come on up, Pastor. And I'm going to ask Pastor Pete if he'll come up. Let's give him a hand this morning. Amen. And I want you to uh, share uh, before you preach this morning and uh, right after he prays for you, I want you to share what you were speaking to me just a few minutes, how you feel like God is moving and something in the spirit is moving with you guys over at UVA. And I just appreciate Pastor Pete so much. He's been so faithful. How long have you been over at UVA now? Twenty-second year at UVA, amen. That's touching a lot of young people, isn't it? So I praise the Lord for his uh, uh, faithful uh, faithfulness. Pastor John, if you'll pray over him this morning. Dear God, we just uh, thank you for
2: Pastor Pete, God. I pray for Pastor Pete right now, God, as he goes up and delivers your word, God. I pray that you would just anoint his lips, God. God, I pray that you would just uh, bless the words that come out of his mouth, God. I pray that you would just prepare our hearts, God. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to your word, and you would speak to us. Uh, through his message, God, and I pray that you would just uh, bless Pastor Pete right now as he comes forward and delivers uh, your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. you. Well, it is a joy to be back. I was thinking, I don't know how long it's been since I've been here, but probably, well, it's been since the pandemic hit, and so it is good to be back with you guys, and thank you for your faithful partnership and the gospel at the University of Virginia all these years. I'm so grateful, and um, this is a church I always enjoy coming to, to speak at. Pastor asked me just to share a little bit of what I shared with him when I arrived. He was at, he said, "Well, how are things going?" And of course, you can give the answer. Oh, good, you know. <laughs> and um, and I I'll just I've had a, okay. So there have been some challenges during the pandemic. Anybody know that, right? Um, but God's been faithful as well, right? And uh, so during the pandemic on the university setting, it was uniquely hard because we had a whole year where we couldn't meet together as a fellowship. And in the midst of that time, uh, you remember when everything shut down and they sent all the college students home and then the whole next year. So we graduated 50% of our fellowship in the midst of all that where we couldn't meet together. Um, Sometimes we could only meet in groups of five because of of the outbreaks and so on. And so there were a lot of challenges, um, but I have sensed, I told Amy about, about three weeks ago, I said, I feel like this semester has felt more pre-pandemic than, um, th- than the last couple years, that, that God is just doing something fresh. And, I, and yeah, our numbers aren't exactly where they were, but praise God, we, I mean, we're still having hundreds come, <laughs> right? So is like the Lord's still doing a work. And, and then in the midst of that, this, uh, these revivals that are breaking out on college campuses, these Christian college campuses, I'm like, let the secular campuses be next, right? where God would pour out His Spirit. I was like, oh, Jesus, let us be a part of it at the University of Virginia. We don't want to miss, right, the, the fresh wind of the Spirit. And so um, so that is our heart and our desire, and I believe that it's going to happen. I, I do. I, I'm not a person who just walks around just, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not what I would call, well, anyways, I, I, I just have a sense, I just have a sense and that, that the Lord is up to something and and so um, may it be, right? Well, this morning I want to share a message out of uh, John twenty-one. Oh, let me share a story that, that happened this past Monday. Just to give you a sense of what the Lord's doing. Um, we're doing a series we're call we're calling Love Story. It's a five-part series on love, sex, and dating. And uh, this past week, I gave an altar call after I talked about how God can restore people who are are broken in this area of their life and. And some people came forward, and there's a guy who came forward I'd never seen before. So after he got done at the, at the front, I said, so what year are you? And he looked at me and said, I'm not a year. Okay, because at UVA, they're either first year, second year, third years, fourth years. He said, I'm not a year. He said, I have a story for you. I said, okay. So I sat down in a chair beside him. He said, I work at the hospital. And where we meet is right next to where the people take the bus to where they have to park when they work at the hospital. Because so I work at the hospital, and I just broke up with a long-term girlfriend. And, and our relationship was a lot like the relationship you described, and I shared some of the brokenness of my own story and my own past. And he said, I was. I've been really broken-hearted and trusting the lord and there was a brother in christ that i work with that i was trying to talk to for some encouragement to to be edified before he left and when i walked out to chat with him he got on the bus and i thought oh man i missed the bus because he's taking the bus to the parking lot he said i thought i missed the bus and somebody walked in front of the bus so the bus had to stop and so i got on the bus and then i rode it to the parking lot and when i got out i heard your worship music and so i decided i'd go check this out he said said, so, so I walked into your meeting, this was this past week, I walked into your meeting and everything you said was exactly what I needed to hear. Amen. I was like, wow, only God can orchestrate something like that, right? And so, uh, praise the Lord, I was like, what, what just a picture of, of, of how the Spirit of God is at work. Well, we're going to be in John chapter 21, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead to turn to John chapter 21, we're going to read the last verses Of the of the book, but before we get there, I want to tell you a story. Uh, Several months, or not, sorry, months. Several years ago, my kids are a little larger now. uh, Several years ago, uh, on a Sunday afternoon, there was a historic day for the Bulette household. It's a Sunday afternoon. The sun was shining, beautiful day, and we get out the bikes. Well, at this point, only one of my three kids knew how to ride their bike, and you know, if you're a dad, like that's kind of a parent fail until your kids know how to ride their bike, right? I mean, you got to get them. So. I was like, okay, today is the day. So my daughter, she's two years older than my youngest son. She's going to learn how to ride her bike today. At least we're going to try. And so um, so she's got her, her helmet on, and we're on the road in front of our house, and, and I, I'm learning some things through some trial and error of how to teach her how to ride her bike. Then my youngest son, he starts trying as well. He's got his helmet on, and he's trying to ride his bike. And I learned something that I needed to say two things over and over and over again. If I would just keep saying these two things, it would go well. And here were the two things. You guys ready? Okay, so if you're a dad and you're teaching somebody how to ride, this this is a little pro tip. What I needed to say was this. Keep your feet on the pedals, because you know what happens? You know, you're pushing the, 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 the back of the seat, and then when they realize you're not there anymore, they stick their legs out, right? And what happens when they stick their legs out? They lose all momentum, they start going wobbly, and pretty soon they're on their side. How many people know? Okay, so number one, I have to say, keep your feet on the pedals. Number two, the second thing I had to say is keep your eyes on the road, because you know what would happen as soon as you let go, and they wonder if you're still there. What do they do? They crane their neck, and guess where their hands go? Their hands go where their head goes, right? And so pretty soon, they're off the side of the road, on their side, because their feet are in the air, their head's this way, and they go that way. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And so I had to say over and over and over, keep your feet on the pedals and eyes on the road. Feet on the pedal, eyes on the road. So I'm running, right? Feet on the pedal, eyes on the road. Then I like go, feet on the pedal, eyes on the road. Feet on, the And I had to say it over and over and over again. That's why I love this passage, (laughs) because it tells us, Jesus tells us, to keep our feet on the pedals and our eyes on him. And how easy it is for us to get our feet off the pedals and start craning our neck and have our eyes off of him. And so we're going to look at this passage, but before I read the passage, let me set a little bit of context of the passage. we're going to read the very last words of the Gospel of John. Okay so the Gospel of John is said by scholars to be the last of the four gospels written. and so this, so uh, John is like batting cleanup. He's like sweeping up, right? Uh, the, the, of the four Gospels. And, and so we're going to read the last words of the last Gospel. And what John has done is he's shown us the, the glory and the goodness and the power of Jesus. He's shown us the signs of Jesus that show the glory of Jesus. He's shown us the, the, the death of Jesus and the burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. He's shown us the, the four Uh, post-resurrection appearances where, where Jesus appears to these people in these powerful and yet tender moments as the resurrected Christ. Now, how is he going to end his gospel? Well, he concludes it by dealing with something that's probably, or I should say potentially, one of the greatest difficulties we face. It's something that could cause your feet to slip off the pedals and cause your eyes to get off the road. It's something that's so human and yet can be very destructive and devastating in your walk with Jesus. It can rob you of your joy of following Jesus. And You say, what is it? I'm so glad you asked. Let's read. The passage for today, it is in John chapter 21, and we're going to read verse 18 through the end. And so if you will follow along with me as I read, it says this. These are the words of Jesus, very, and he's talking to Peter, the Apostle Peter. Okay, So here's what he says. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, um, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, What about him? And Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, a rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say that he wouldn't die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have the room for the books that would be written. I have two simple points to my message today. I'm going to give them to you up front, and then we're going to spend some time unfolding each of the points. But here are the points. Number one, the first point is simply going to be this: everyone's journey is different. And then the second point is going to be everyone's journeys the same. But we'll get to that. Everyone's journey is different, and everyone's journeys the same. How's that fit? <laughs> well, hang with me. So our passage this morning comes right after a very unique moment. Jesus, okay, so Peter had denied Jesus right as he's getting arrested and getting ready to be uh, crucified. And so Peter denies him three times, right? You guys know this story? And then Jesus shows up on the beach, Peter's gone back to fishing, Jesus has resurrected, he shows up on the beach and he makes Peter breakfast on the beach. I once heard a, a, a guy who's meant a lot to me say, that's the kind of God we serve. That after we blow it, he makes us breakfast on the beach. And so Jesus comes and tenderly restores Peter and asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? To overcome the three denials, right? This, he's, he's rewiring the story restoring the relationship it's a tender moment and then in the right after this really tender moment we we often stop reading that's where we stop preaching because it gets tough because the next thing right after that tender moment okay so why did peter deny jesus here's why peter denied jesus because it was going to lead to suffering if he stayed true to jesus because jesus just got arrested he's like what's going to happen to me Right? It was going to get hard to follow Jesus, and he didn't want to suffer, and so he denied Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is restoring him, and right after Jesus restores him, what does he say? He says, when you were young, you went where you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll be told where to go, and you'll be led. And he says, to to talk about the kind of death by which Peter would glorify Jesus. In other words, can I give you the Pete Bulette translation? You're not going to be able to get away from the hard. Yes, I'm restoring you, but guess what? It's still going to be tough following me. And so he's confronting Peter with the reality that it's still going to be hard and that there's still going to be difficulties and trials in following Jesus. And you know what? There's great joys in following Jesus, but there are also trials in following Jesus, aren't there? That sometimes following Jesus doesn't make your life easier. It actually makes your life harder. And so Peter's being faced with this reality. Okay. And so Jesus says, but you must follow me. And, of course, Peter says when he hears this, because this is not what he wanted to hear. He was like, I was with you on the, do you love me? Oh, you know, I love you. You He's being restored. And then Peter comes up and says this, talks about how you'll be led to where you don't want to go. And, you know, and and so talking about the kind of death that Peter would die. And so Peter says the first, and we're not surprised at this point, if you've read the Gospels, you understand Peter. He's going to say the first thing that comes into his mind, isn't he? And what is the first thing he says? But but Jesus, what about him? What about him? And Jesus is like, if I want him to, to live until I return, what's it to you? Right? But you must follow me. Okay. Everyone's journey is different. One of the greatest challenges to your journey with Jesus is going to be the temptation to compare your journey to someone else's journey. Because Jesus is doing something else with your life versus this other person. And you want to start to compare your life to their life. And uh, let me just say this. Peter's not comparing his life to LeBron James. Okay? He's not like sitting at home watching TV and like, well, why is LeBron James so athletic and I don't have an athletic bone in my body. Look, that guy's a millionaire. You know, you you're not. he's not sitting at home doing it. He's not sitting at home watching Jeff Bezos and, or Elon Musk give a speech. He's like, why is he so successful and I, and boy, I'm just trying to grind it out. No, you know who he's comparing himself to? He's comparing himself to somebody he spent a significant amount of his life with. He's comparing himself to a, a a, a, a brother in Christ. He's comparing him. Here's, let me put it this way. The most dangerous comparisons we make it, aren't the famous people, it's the people that we grew up next to. It's, our, it, it's the, the sibling, or it's the person who you went to church with growing up, or who you went to school with growing up, or it, the person that, um, that, that you go to church with now. It's the person who you work three cubes down from that you w- want to start to compare and you want to say, But Jesus, what about them? That's the most dangerous comparison. Let me give you some examples of what this can look like. I mean, we, how many people know we just had Valentine's Day? Uh, thankfully, my wife never found out. No, just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we can look at our relational status. Some of us are happily married, and others of us are unexpectedly divorced, or widowed, or single in a season we wouldn't have anticipated. And we can look at that and we can say, but Jesus, what about them? Or maybe it can be your kids. Like you thought you were going to have a lot of kids. And then you got these, and, and, and you find yourself, you know, well, look, you, you know these you know these people like every time you see them, they got more kids, and you're like, like, how many kids do you have now? They're like on second hand, and you know what I'm saying. They're driving the big bus, and you know, like, get in, kids, you know. And, and you're like, whoa, oh, we're, we're expecting twins. Oh, good for you. And you're the one who's battled infertility and has had several miscarriages. And you want to say, but Jesus, what about them? Why are they still having more kids? I just want one. Or maybe you get on Facebook and you see somebody else's kid, you know, they're five years old, and they're like, I'm so proud of little Johnny, he's learning Chinese. <laughs> and you're like, I just want my kids to wear matching socks. <laughs> like, that would be a win in my house if my kids all had matching socks on today. And, well, and Johnny over here is learning Chinese. And you're like, well, what about them? Or you look at somebody's career. They got a job that they just love. And you got a job that you don't just love. And you, you see that they're, I mean, they're, they're just making big money in a job they love, and you got a job that you felt in your 20s that this is what Jesus was calling you to, and this is what you were gifted for, and now it's a grind, and it's not lucrative, and you're struggling, and you want to say, but Jesus, what about them? Or I, this, is, this is one that I've, <laughs> okay, so um, you look at somebody else's gifts. And they're so gifted. I mean, young people, like, you know these people. Like, it, it's like they came out of the womb doing calculus. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like, how in the world do they know how to do that? I mean, I am working so hard to get my B-. And they don't do anything, and they just, they just succeed. And then there's these other kids who, I, you think they're born spinning a ball on their finger. They're so athletic. I mean, you're like, how does that work? You know, and you're like, I got two left hands. I and they, not just that, they're, they're so cool. I mean, they just, this, this is my youngest son, they're, they're drippy. You know what that, like they, they just got this swag. They're just drippy. They just got... And, and so they're smart, they're talented, and they're beautiful. And you're like, but Jesus, what about them? Or people who are in the business world, look at people in the ministry, and they oh, that must be so nice to be in ministry. I mean, look, they just get to go drink Starbucks with people. And they just get to tell people about Jesus and pray and read their Bible, and they get paid to do it. That must be nice. And then you look and the people in the ministry are looking at people in the marketplace. They think, "Man, that must be nice." Look, they just get to they clock out and they're done, and they get, then they go cash their big fat check. And you're thinking, "Man, it's for you, Jesus." But what about them? Are am I hitting home with anybody here? The pandemic, oh, this was a great one. You know, we're, we're in the pandemic, and I, I talk to my friends. They're like, I, you know, to be honest with you, I feel kind of bad, but the pandemic's just been wonderful for me. I'm working from home. You should see my backyard. It's so beautiful. And I'm thinking when the pandemic hit, my job got four times harder and more complex. And I want to say, Jesus, what about them? I was like, how many dog years did it take off my life going through? You know what I'm saying? Like, Just trying to lead through this. And the point is, I mean, I could keep going and going and going. But the point is, it is so easy to compare. And Jesus says, you knock that off, Peter. You keep your eyes on me. You keep your feet on the pedal. and You keep your eyes on me you must follow me if i want to bless them with whatever I'm going to bless them with if they are going to need two buses for all their kids and for all their money you know what's it to you you follow me let me do with your life what I want to do with your life and let me do with their life what I want to do with their life. You must follow me. I have plans and purposes for you. And Peter's like, Yeah, you're talking about the kind of death by which I'll glorify you. Those aren't the plans. Of, you know what I'm saying? But he's saying, You follow me. And he goes back to the words that he gave him at the very, very beginning Come follow me. And he says, Peter, whatever the circumstances are, you just follow. Because everyone's journey is different. And can I tell you, we have more opportunity to compare now than in the history of the world. I mean, you can go home and open up an app on your cell phone and quickly look at the highlights of everyone else's life. And you're like, oh, good for them, cruising in the winter Caribbean, hashtag Caribbean in February. You guys know what I'm talking about. And and here's here's the fact, that's not their real life either. We're consuming everybody's curated version of the highlights of their life where they take eight pictures, find the best, put a filter on it, and make it look better than it actually was. And Jesus says, don't be duped by that. I am worthy. You just follow me, Peter. Everyone's journey is different. You follow me. You keep your eyes on me. You trust me. You delight in me. I am enough for you. Well, the second point is this. Everyone's journey is the same. (laughs) So here's the facts we all begin the same way on our journey with Jesus. How did I mean? Let's look at the beginning of the story. How did it start? It starts with Jesus coming to Peter after he blew it three times and saying, "Do you love me three times?" and restoring him back into his relationship with Jesus. Jesus showing him grace. Can I tell you, everyone in here, your journey with Jesus all started the same way. Same way and that was by the grace of God through Christ Jesus. That none of us started because we were so good. None of us are are saved because of our own works. We're only saved because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so our stories are all the same. They're marked by the grace of God. And so all of our stories start the same. And can I tell you, all of our journeys end the same. You know how they end? With that. With the same eternal hope. That one day we're going to be with Jesus. That one day, we're going to be in the unmediated presence of God. We're going to be totally restored. We're going to live in a restored world because of King Jesus and what He's done for us. And we're going to live in the new heavens and the new earth. And our stories and our journeys are all going to end the same way. So our journeys start the same. And our journeys end the same. And in between, our journeys are all marked by the same reality, by the irreducible center of the Christian life. What does he say to Peter? He says, Peter, follow me. And that command to follow him was a promise and a calling and an invitation to something. Go ahead and put this. It was a calling to this, that you can live with God. Jesus was inviting them to live with him. This is the story of the gospel. This is the story of the story of Scripture, is that God is making a way for us to live with Him again. Let's just go on a quick tour before I I wrap it up. How does the Bible start in Genesis? Adam and Eve are living with God in the garden. And then what did they lose because of the fall? They lost the witness of God. As they were exiled from the garden. And then we pick it up. In the Exodus story. And, and God delivering his people out of the wilderness. And when he delivers his people out of the wilderness. He, or, I'm, I'm sorry. Out of Egypt and takes them into the wilderness. What does it say? That God was with them with a pillar of. Fire by day or by night, and a cloud by day, right? A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In other words, now they may they're out of Egypt. They may be in the wilderness, but they are with God. And there's this moment where they blow it in the wilderness, right? They make this calf, and they're wondering what's going to happen. And what does Moses say? Oh, don't send us from here unless you go with us. In other words, we don't want just the promised land. We want you. In other words, we don't just want better circumstances, we want you. And then, throughout the Old Testament, you have the temple, or you have the tabernacle first, and then you have the temple second. And what is that about? That's about the presence of God being among His people. Yes, mediated through priests and behind curtains, but the presence of God is in the camp. The presence of God is among the people of God. God is with His people. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And the first thing we learn about Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew is that His name will be Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And then the very last verse of the Gospel of Matthew, you know what it says? Jesus gives this promise, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And so the Gospel starts with God with us, and it ends with God with us. In the middle, it shows us what it looks like when God is with us. And then Jesus and Paul start saying that that one of the blessings, or the blessing, if I can say it this way, of the Gospel is that He's going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to be God with you. The witness of God in your life. And then the story ends in Revelation 21 where it says, Now the dwelling of God is with men and He will live with them. This is the gospel. That we get to live with God. It's the irreducible center of the Christian life, is the witness of God. When we understand this, oh yeah, we face different circumstances. And all of our journeys are different. Oh, but all of our journeys are the same. We get to live with God. And when we understand this, this changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, when we go out into the world, we go out, and I kind of think of my arms linked with with Jesus and the the union and communion that I have with Christ. That I go out to, to, to my job with Christ, or I go, I raise my family with Christ. Whatever it is I'm doing, I do it with Him by the Spirit. How does that change things? Oh, it gives you more hope. It gives you strength when you think your strength has run out. It fills your heart with peace when worry and anxiety want to take hold. Anybody battle that? It gives you a sense of expectancy that anything can happen. All bets are off because you're with Jesus. A few years ago, I had some alum who are getting ready to go to one of the hardest places in the world to serve on the mission field. A place that was less than 1% Christian. And I was sitting with them in the student union. It was in North Africa, and I, I said to them, Whatever you do, do not go to the mission field for God. That's not what they expected their pastor to say. I said, yeah, whatever you do not go to the mission field for God. You go to the mission field with God. How many people know there's a big difference of going for God versus going with God? We are not called to live for God. We're called to live with God. And when you think of that difference, how does that change things? And so I asked him, I said, when you think about well, well, how does that change it? They're like, well, there's more peace, there's more hope, there's more expectancy, there's more less fear. Are, are, you guys follow me, right? Because when you understand God's with you by the presence of the Holy Spirit, that changes things. And so can I tell you, kids, do not go to school for God. Go to school with God. Parents, do not raise kids for God. (laughs) Raise kids with God. This week, all of you in the work day world, don't go to work for God. Go to work with God. Don't live your life for God. Live your life. I tell you, there have been so many times where I've been fearful, discouraged, disappointed, overwhelmed. And my wife will say to me, Pete, God is with us. oh, yeah, I get discouraged. I get disappointed. I get fearful and anxious and overwhelmed. But when I can just recenter on the fact that that is true, that God is with me, I'm telling you, it can break some stuff. It changes things. And sometimes I need to be reminded of it by people around me. Yes. (laughs) I want to say, what about them? (laughs) And I need to hear, but God is with you. And so when Jesus says, you follow me, he's inviting us into a life with him. So I come with a fairly simple message this morning. Everybody's journey is different. But Jesus, what about him? And Jesus says, you keep your feet on the pedals and your eyes on me. You must follow me. Everybody's journey is different. And everyone's journey is the same. Everyone's journey starts by the grace of God. And can I say it doesn't just start with the grace of God, but it goes all the way through by the grace of God. It's all of our journeys end the same way with our eternal hope in the new heavens and the new earth and being in the unmediated presence of God. And everyone's journey is defined by the same irreducible reality of the Christian life. And that is God is with us by his spirit. So don't let your feet slip. Keep pedaling hard. And keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be craning your neck, looking at everybody else. Maybe you need to even stay off social media a little while. Hashtag focused on Jesus. (laughs) Right? Whatever. And just keep your eyes on As we close, I'm going to call the worship team up. Keep your eyes on the one who turned water into wine. Keep your eyes on the one who walked on water. Keep your eyes on the one who opened blind eyes. Keep your eyes on the one who raised the dead. Keep your eyes on the one who, who died on a Roman cross For your sin was buried and was resurrected three days later so that you could have victory over sin and death and hell. Keep your eyes on that one. Will you stand with me? This story ends by saying, if everything that Jesus did was written down, there wouldn't be enough room in the world to hold the books. Now, that's hyperbole, okay? That's, a, that's hyperbole. But the point is, when Jesus is with you, stuff happens. And there's stories to tell. And so I don't know the circumstances of your life. I don't know how they compare to other people's circumstances, but Jesus is less concerned about that. He just wants you to be, follow him. And here's what I know, that as you follow him and you keep your eyes on him, that there will be stories to be told. So as I was thinking about how to end this, I think that there's probably some people in here who just need to surrender to the sovereignty of Jesus in their life. There's circumstances you would not have signed up for. I get that. We all face those circumstances but just coming to him and say Jesus I come to you with my eyes fixed on you saying I'm going to follow you no matter what and I'm going to remember that you're with me in it so if that's you as we respond I just want to encourage you Just focus on Jesus and, and come to a place of Jesus, I surrender to you. Have your way with me. And then others that just need to be reminded today that God is with you in those difficult circumstances that you wouldn't have signed up for, that you look around and other people may not be facing to be reminded that Jesus is with you by the Spirit in the midst of that. And He wants to remind you that He isn't asking you to live for Him. He's inviting you to live with Him. And that is the irreducible center of your faith. That He will live with you you'll live with him. So Lord, I pray for your people. Lord, help us to keep our feet on the pedals where we want to stop pedaling. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you the author and finisher of our faith. And not craning our heads around. Looking everywhere else but but you. lord put it deep in our spirit that we live with you that you are with us and may we experience the joy of that the peace of that the expectancy and hope of that and the comfort of Our feet on the pedals and our eyes on you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can I give a benediction every. Is there something you want to say, Pastor? Okay. I always close every Kyoth meeting with the same benediction. Can I pronounce that benediction over you? May God bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.
1: Amen. Let's give Pastor a big hand. Amen. Wasn't that a wonderful word this morning? Amen. Thank you guys for worship. They did a great job this morning. I want to remind before we leave this morning that all of our teens and younger kids, we are having um, a dinner downstairs for,